Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. That was the voice of Edmonton Police Service Deputy Chief uh, Devin LaForce about the two police officers in Edmonton who uh, were shot and killed. Constables Travis Jordan and uh, Brett Ryan. We're going to talk about the constables. We're going to talk about policing, the response and reaction in the policing community in Edmonton and Alberta and across this country of ours. And we're going to begin with Sergeant Curtis Hoople of the Edmonton Police Association. Sergeant Hoople, uh, deepest condolences to you and everyone in uh, the Edmonton Police Service and your association, province of Alberta, and everyone in the policing community. Thank you, Roy. Appreciate that. How do you and how do police officers absorb what has taken place? You know, two days after the event, how do you, how are you responding to what's, to what's happened? Uh, you know, I can give you from, uh, I guess, uh, a few perspectives, I guess, personally, you know, I'm trying to find those moments where I can reflect and uh, spend time with my family while I, you know, prepare what's, uh, getting closer to the funeral and the time for us to, uh, grieve. Um, how the members are responding, they're still out there, still doing their job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, but the members are being taken care of by all the resources that we have within the EPS, uh, which is reassuring because uh, we're going to need all hands on deck uh, for the next little while uh, because this, you know, nobody fathoms this. And to sit in this chair as the president, um, it, uh, it causes a shockwave that uh, is going to impact thousands. You know, you think about, and I was talking to a friend about this uh, this morning, yeah. you think about the families of the police officers directly involved, exactly. and then you think about the, the, the more broad policing families and um, spouses and significant others seeing their, the person in their lives who is a member of the police service, your police service or another police service in this country or beyond, seeing the person go to work. And, and today's very different to what um, a, a normal day might be. Sometimes it's difficult to find context for normal. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's, a, it's a different time. It's a difficult time. And I, I, in the conversation, I suggested that it would be extremely important to have public support, community support. You bet. Are you getting that? Oh, yeah. That, uh, the support uh, has been amazing. Um, we keep getting information of uh, the flood of people, um, you know, flowers, um, gifts, um, just, you know, them wanting to share uh, this moment and provide some recognition of how much they uh, appreciate the job we do um, and the support for the two members and uh, the ultimate sacrifice they gave, uh, plus for their families. Uh, it's it, it has. It's been amazing. Um, so that uh, <laughs> that warms the heart. Yeah, I, I really believe that people, uh, in a very broad-based sense, support police because we know what you do in our communities. You know what you provide. We know what you provide to our communities. Uh, domestic calls, this has been talked about a lot. Yep. And uh, domestic calls, uh, domestic disturbance calls are the most unpredictable, aren't they? You know, like, 
it varies. Like domestics are, but uh, traffic stops are just as unpredictable. Um, the the heightened awareness for our police officers of today is at levels that uh, are kind of unprecedented uh, here in Canada. Um, the safety of our members is always in question every time they start a shift. The training is incredible. Um, they're prepared for it, uh, but nothing prepares you for what occurred a few days ago uh, for uh, Travis and Brett. So, but we understand that that, that is the possibility, Roy. That, 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 that is the moment where, you know, we may not come home, um, but uh, the good thing is, is the public uh, was safe. The members did respond like they're trained to do. And uh, the members that came in to support uh, Brett and Travis did their job, secured the scene so we could actually figure out what happened. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just thinking about how difficult it must be for the officers who are first on the scene. Yeah. And then have to establish or begin to establish the series of events that led to their fellow officers losing their lives or having their lives taken away from them. Do you think, and this is a discussion point uh, we could have on the air with our callers, do you think that uh, that our society and our the way we live and, uh, and our value systems have changed significantly over the last 10, 20 years and that may impact how police officers are perceived or... Is that, a, is that a largely empty argument? Yeah, you know, it's a, it is a good question, right? The, the reality is, is um, you know, the policing world or the first responder world is, is an entity of, upon itself. Um, so we, we have seen an increase of gun violence. We have seen an increase of, uh, you know, addiction concerns. Um, we have seen an incredible increase of mental health related issues. Um, the police try their best and, you know, even our chief has even expressed this to the uh, citizens of Edmonton, but we can't do it all. So this is where the conversations that will occur after, because we need our time to really uh, understand what occurred. Mm -hmm. These are the conversations like people like myself in the positions I'm in need to have with, uh, you know, our city, our social agencies, our, you know, uh, pro provincial authorities, uh, uh, people across the nation as to, okay, what is the best model that can work for what we're experiencing today? So, yeah. but that's, you know what, that's weeks after. We got to have time right now to mourn and grieve and embrace each other. And then uh, we'll figure that out after. Yes. I did read, though, uh, earlier this morning that you have made suggestions in the past that when it comes to domestic calls, that a mental health professional should perhaps be going along with a police officer or police officers. Well, Roy, look at this situation here. Two police officers armed, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, they're dead. Um, this, is the, this is that risk piece we've been trying to encourage uh, to, to our groups that uh, this is what we face. Um, paramedics, fire, they do a dangerous job as well. Uh, but when there's any indication of, of, you know, these domestic type or these family disturbance or something that has some sense of violence, the police are the first to attend these type of calls. Uh, and this, this, you know, tragic event that occurred displays right there 
why you have to have police to come in and secure first before we send in any civilian component, because the risk is there. It's dangerous. Yeah. What can we do? What can uh, the people of this country do? I know you've said you have a lot of support from the people of, of Edmonton yeah. and Alberta, and I don't doubt that, but what can we, what can we generically do to, um, to let police know how much we appreciate what you do? And uh, just as you're there for us, we're there for you. What can we do? Well, first, I'm going to say, like, you know, um, especially like 630 Chad and the media have been really, really good. This is, this is going to help uh, where we can actually voice some of our thoughts and uh, on, this, on this matter. So this has been great. Uh, I, I've always encouraged to listen to all sides of the story. And that's, that's actually all I ask is uh, just have the moment to really debate and have that, you know, productive kind of conversation on whatever the issue is and let all parties come to the table and provide the perspective. I think our police officers feel like their voice isn't being heard that much anymore, even internally and externally out in the public. So that's what I ask, is that if we can just actually take that moment to listen to all sides, then I actually think we can actually uh, do something here and uh, build on this tragedy. Yeah, we've had, uh, I think it was eight police officers in the last six months in this country yeah, have lost their lives, yeah, and uh, that, that's intolerable. Absolutely intolerable. Yeah. Sergeant Hoople, thank you uh, so much uh, for joining Absolutely. us, and uh, our thoughts and our condolences. I know I can speak for my listeners across the country are, are with you, with your Edmonton Police Service, with your with your colleagues on the police service, and uh, yes. yeah, we're, we're, our thoughts are with you. We care about Great. we care about you guys and gals. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Thanks, Roy. we appreciate it too. Thank you very much. All the best to you. Yeah, take care. You too. Sergeant Curtis Hoople of the Edmonton Police Association. Chris Hayden joins us, retired Edmonton Police Service Sergeant, 26 years, as an Edmonton police officer in numerous roles, including the Major Crimes Unit. Uh, Chris, thank you very much uh, for joining us. And uh, uh, let me start by asking you one of the questions I asked uh, Sergeant Hoople toward the end of our, our interview. What can we do as, 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 as a society to mitigate against what is taking place, the numbers of police officers who are losing their lives, and that number has increased significantly and very in a very concerning manner? Well, I, the general public, Roy, if I can speak on behalf of being a retired member but having worn the, the uniform for a, a many number of years, uh, the tragedy here in Edmonton with the two members that were murdered, um, and this is what I've heard time and time again from within the ranks, is once this funeral is over, the support that the EPS members in uniform for any agency across this country, simple wave, a simple thank you, means the world to them. That moral support for members in uniform is astronomical when you're out in the cars and working. For in regards to the general public and the criminal element and handguns and weapons and everything like that, that is too big a question to ever come up with an answer for. But it's just something that uh, we know the savage on the police's side. They know they we know that they want to help, um, but there's no simple answer to this sort. Of thing. Mm-hmm. Has policing generically become more dangerous over the last ten, fifteen, twenty plus years? Oh, completely. Um, on, when I was a, a, a patrol sergeant on the road, you'd maybe find a car, a gun in a vehicle once every two weeks. Now, the boys on the street are pulling weapons off the street every night. 
and they're dealing with fire, handguns, they're dealing with long barrel weapons, they're dealing with semi-autic weapons, weapons. The issue is is officer safety. The training the Edmonton Police Service has is incredible when it comes to this sort of thing. And uh, safety is a priority one for the citizens of Edmonton and also our members. Just uh, wondering again, looking at some emails that I received over the last, particularly the last 24 hours, does the criminal code have to address directly violence toward police? I know when a police officer is killed, murdered, mm-hmm. that it's a first-degree charge, first-degree murder right. charge. I understand that. There was a time, and uh, in my lifetime certainly, when if you murdered a police officer or a prison guard, you faced the potential of the death penalty. Um, the death penalty is no longer on our books in Canada, but does the criminal code have to take into consideration your two officers who lost their lives, whose lives were taken from them, and the other officers who lost their lives, whose lives were taken from them over the past months, and and in, in order to at least make the attempt to provide an additional layer of protection for the police officers who go out every day and every night to do their job? You know, or you can make those amendments to the criminal code. It's what happens in court is the prior is the the, the issue is that the crown can put together a solid case and it, it can fall apart by administrative error of some document not being filed. I have my own personal opinion in regards to the court system and how it has failed members time and time again. But that again, this is my opinion. But uh, it's. Are people dealt with in the appropriate manner when they bring injury to a police officer in any way, shape, or form? No, not at all. And uh, it's one of the heralds, uh, hazards of the job, is that if you think you're going to get justice, uh, nine times out of the ten, you won't. Yeah, I've heard police officers say that uh, when cases go to court, quite often they don't turn out the way they're expected. With With all of the preparation that is done, as you just said, a technicality, we'll see the case dismissed. And that, that, cannot, that cannot create any sense of real confidence in the system among the officers, among the members. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, Roy, is that uh, this malarkey of time served where you get, you've only served a quarter of your sentence for what you've been sentenced in the court, for time served, for committing a criminal act and convicted of a criminal act, I think that's a joke. Yeah. I remember doing a, a program really not that long ago, Chris, where um, the individual who was being tried for a serious crime was being tried for this crime before his sentence for the previous crime had expired. So he was still under prison sentence, but he'd been released on, I can't remember whether it was a one one third or two thirds, but essentially uh, after two thirds sentence, you're supposed to be uh, supposed to be let go unless yeah. there's a specific reason to hold you. So he was, he was out committing additional criminal acts, violent acts, and was being tried for such a criminal act while his initial sentence was still in effect. If we, let's even make this even more current. The OPP officer was killed with a stolen vehicle in Ontario yes. where the guy was on parole or no, on bail release yeah. from a previous matter out on the and he's back out on the road and just continues doesn't even blink an eye and continues on with its criminal rampage from a uniform from an old copper's standpoint what's the use it's I don't see comes down to what's the use but our guys will get in the car and our ladies we have the car each and every day and when that call comes in they'll take it at three o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the afternoon 
The frontline officers are the backbone of any agency across this country, and they will do what they have to do, even though they've got terrible circumstances waiting for them. Well, our, our most sincere and deepest condolences to you, your, your fellow members, former members, retired members. And uh, I, I, I really believe that there is a greater sense of community and a greater sense of appreciation for police officers within the broad community. It just has to extend over a considerable period of time so that your officers are properly protected. Chris, thank you so much. I hope we can talk again. Uh, you know what, Roy? I'd like to. It's a great platform to get the message out there, and I'm not restricted because I'm retired, so I can just go off on tangents all day long. We'll, we'll talk again, for sure. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate the time. Thank you for your support and the Evans Police Service and all their members. Thank you for the time on your, on your show today. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.